A number of weeks ago, I was asked to speak in a different community to a group of parents. And the topic was about self-esteem in children. Really, the tachlis of that program was to talk about personal safety. But the concerns there, as well as here, are very obvious. How, how clear, how detailed can you possibly get? So the, the angle that I focused on was to discuss ways of helping children build a sense of self, a sense of safety, part of which is personal safety about their physical being. Much of what I said at that time is going to be repeated here because of just how important it is. I'm not going to tell you what to do when a child reports to you that something has happened to them. The speaker before me, dear friend, spoke about that very well, and there's very little to add to that. If I think of anything, I will share it with you. Um, I wanted to come from a different angle, and I'd like to extend something that Rabbi Horowitz said earlier on. The pismen that we say of Kenegad Abobondim has a hakdama that we look at every single year, most of us two times, and you have to wonder, what's all this about? Get to the point. You have to tell each one, you have to answer them according to the level that, that they're asking at. What's this, what's this introduction? And I had the opportunity to stumble across a maima from the Maharal, which I found absolutely mind-blowing. You can look this up, but it's the Maral is in the Hakdama of the, the Teferis Yisrael, and he asks a very obvious kasha that the Gemurah in Nedorim Daf Pe'alef says, um, asks the kasha, why is it that it is not mostly that the children of, of Talmidah Chachamim are, the, are themselves Talmidah Chachamim? Why is it not common? And the, and the Gemara says, Mipnei shele bercha batayra tchila. Bercha satayra. Like, wait a minute. They daven from the same siddur as everybody else. It says bercha satayra. You mean they didn't say bercha satayra? So the Maral says that the pshat is very simple. He says, Talmid hachamim, the learning that they are doing, they enjoy. It's geschmack. He says, and they develop a very strong avas And the love for the Torah is remarkable. There's one problem. Love cannot be for two. Now, what does that mean? He says, because in their geschmack and their love for the Torah that they are learning, it displaces the, the possibility of being ayave Hashem. It blocks their, their ability to have ava to the noisein ha-Torah. That doesn't transmit. It becomes like subject matter. So if your father was a lawyer, are you going to be one? Not necessarily. If your father was a plumber, are you going to be that? Not necessarily. I like what I like, he likes what he likes, and 
and and the world goes on. We don't all follow in the footsteps of our fathers. Um, if the Ava is to the Torah and not to the Naisen HaTorah, it, be, it is transmitted to the child as the father's love of the subject matter. That, doesn't, that does not go over. And those, those children are not given the potential to become Tomid HaChachamim based on what's given over to them. So that what, what, what may very well be what the Balha Goda is saying over here is before we're going to transmit and give to the Chacham Maho Aymer, to give to the Chacham what he needs to hear and to the Rosha what he needs to hear and to the Tam, we first have to be Makdim Borosh that we're not forgetting about the Naisen HaTayra, that that's what we're giving over, because the subject matter is um, secondary. Rabbi Horowitz made a point earlier where the two different approaches to Chinuch are the approach of the Tzibur, of the group, of the class, and of the Yochid. There's actually a very interesting quote from the uh, Chazonish where the Chazonish said, and this was obviously somewhere in the early 50s, that the mission of establishing Torah after after the war has been accomplished. We have Maistas HaChinuch, we have the Messiah is going to continue. That was a Chiv to make sure that we have a Tzibur that's going to follow. Now the Chazanish said, we now have to concentrate to make sure that Chinuch addresses the Yochid's needs. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's a growing problem because we've got classrooms getting bigger and bigger, Meister's getting bigger and bigger, and if we're not going to have the attention to each individual, we may have a rate of putting out X number of successful Talmidim, but we're also going to have X number of fallouts, dropouts, throwouts, or kids who are just not successful. And I would highly doubt that there is anybody in the field who will tell you that part of their mission is to have failures. So that if we, if we can look at ways of building this attention to the Yochid into the way Chinuch is, is done, that will be a, a more successful way of being able to meet the needs. When I spoke to the parents, one of the things that I told them is that more and more, and this happens obviously at, at a greater percentage as the children grow older, we're dealing with a greater amount of time that the children are in the environment of the mechanchim and the lesser amount of time that they're in the environment of their own homes. Now, there's been shelves and shelves worth of books and shelves and shelves worth of research on the impact of family on, the, on children's well-being. It doesn't need to be repeated here, um, but there's less of a focus on what the impact of the school environment is. 
And that's something where we have a direct responsibility. Because if I'm going to be machanach a, a Talmud, my goal is that the Talmud has to get out of my class a couple of things. I don't look at knowledge as the goal. The yidiyas that my child will get, in my, that my Talmud will get in my class, or my son will get when he goes to, to Cheder, to me that is secondary. As a matter of fact, I was really pleased to see over the last number of years that report cards are not giving a, a, a report of grades by subject. It used to be in Chumash this, in Anach that, and in Halacha something else, and in Mishnah, and I was getting, you know, so this, the scores from all those subjects are going to be almost perfectly correlated. Very simple reason. You're testing memory. So why should the memory test on Chumash be a different memory test from Nach? It'll be a couple of points above, a couple of points below, but by and large, you're measuring the same thing. You're going to get, you're, you're going to get pretty much the same, um, the same numbers. What, what I was pleased to see is that there, there was very little focus on what the test scores are. Not because test scores don't matter. But what's important is, does the child have any difficulties reading? How does he get along with the class? How does he behave? How, how does he integrate with the friends during, during recess time? How does he deal with challenge? How does he do problem solving? And all of these things I'm finding out are, are, are really basic, and they're telling me different things about my child. And I'm not going to get a set of scores that are going to be correlated as, as perfectly as what I used to get last year and the year before that. So that what I now know, when my, my, my son comes home, his report card is telling me that his Rebbe is, playing, is, is paying close mind to exactly how he is functioning in that, in, during, the, during the time that he's there. I know more about his personality. I know more about how he interacts. Those are the ways I have to deal with him. Now, granted, there's, there's a role for test scores. If you see somebody's test scores beginning, are, are beginning to nosedive, you know something's going on. It might be something very simple. There may be a sibling in the family getting married, and there's a lot less time that's, that, 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 uh, that this child is able to uh, spend. That's a possibility. Could be somebody was sick. Could be any number of, of things. Could be they moved in the middle. There's many things that, that can happen. Test scores are going to reflect something. But by and large, the most important information is not tests. As a matter of fact, most tests are, are accused of being, and, and most of the time accurately so, as being spit back. You shoved information into my head, the data goes in, the data comes back out. How informative is that? Now, granted, we have to learn information. We have to be able to give the, we have to know that the information that we've gotten has been stored and it can be, and, and, and it can be, and it can be brought back out. But that's not all that it's all about. As a matter of fact, my approach to knowledge in yeshiva and in education, Bechlal, is that it is not the goal. It's the vehicle. And the vehicle is the one, is, is there to carry over many things. Now, just, you know, you know what? 
if we're going to learn Chumash, that's a great way for me to interact. But that, but in that role of me teaching, my tachlis is, I want to be a role model through which my Talmidim are going to learn to, to enjoy learning, so that when I walk into the classroom in the morning, my goal is I want to make what I'm doing so enjoyable that tomorrow they want to come back. If my child is going to say, ah, I don't feel like going today, something's wrong. Now maybe it's because the kid's not feeling well. Maybe it's because he's scared of a test that day. But maybe it's because learning is not enjoyable. Now, why am I talking about this? I mean, here, here we're talking about personal safety. Because the bottom line is that the relationship with the Talmudim that we will have will define to a very strong degree just how close with that child we're able to be and how open the child is going to be with us. Yes, the parents have their, uh, their responsibilities, the parents have their, uh, their obligations. Nobody's, gonna, nobody's going to exempt them. But in my school building, the safety of my children is nothing less than 100%. And anything that will compromise that, anything that will challenge that, is something that I have to fight vigorously. And, if I, and as much as it's necessary for children to learn to have utmost respect for authority figures, which means everybody on the Hanhala, it means parents, it means elders, it means people that are older than them, as much as, as important as that is, and it should never be minimized, it's just as important for me, to, for me as a Rebbe, hey, as a Zayda, I get down on the floor with my grandchildren and I will play with them, in a similar way, we have to be able to get a relationship with the Talmudim that we have. And this is pretty much what Rabbi, what, what, what Rabbi Horowitz was saying earlier. There's a time to interact with them as a yachid. There's time to interact with them as part of a group. And it, it becomes a challenge that we now have to find the, the time and the the feasibility of getting to each Talmud and interacting with them in a way that they know that they matter to us, that we care for them, and that, and that their emotional well-being is every bit as important as anything else. Many years ago, I spent my Zayda's last Pesach, we were there in Milwaukee, and at some conversation that my brothers and I and one or two of my cousins were having, somebody said to my Zayda, well, my Rosh Yeshiva said such and such. And my Zayda looked back at us and says, your Rosh Yeshiva, you have no idea what that means. My Shver was a Rosh Yeshiva. Now, the Kedusha Tzian had a yeshiva in Babav, he had branches in many other places also. When my Zayda got married, after Shavabuchas was over, he took my Zayda to the Besmedish, and he did rounds. Now, we're, we've heard of doctors going to hospitals and doing rounds in the morning, 
and they're checking on their on, on their patients, and they go down the hallway, and they stop off, and uh, you know John Doe is there, and he has this, and he has that, and they look at the records, and they talk to the nurses, and they check the patient, and and then they go to the next one, and then they you know they ask the patient, and they get all the information from the records. My Zayda walked into the Bismedish with his shver, and the. Kedusha Tzion walked over to the first bocher he saw, went over to him, and of course he stood up, and he says to him, how's the learning going? How are your, uh, how's the shir? How's your, how's your room where you're sleeping? You have a comfortable pillow. He began asking about physical comforts. How's the food? And then he says, have you heard from your parents lately? What's news at at home? Do you miss home? Are you comfortable with the kinds of chaverim that you have? Are there any issues that you have with anybody else? And he began doing a mini psychological evaluation on the Talmud. But chit-chat, just checking up with him and asking how things are. And he proceeded to do that with every Talmud in the entire Bismedish. Now, it was not a best message with 4,000 Talmidim in it, but it took him most of the morning. He's, so, my Zayda turns to us and says, your Rosh Yeshiva does that? Did he ever ask you if your room in the dorm is comfortable? Did he ever ask you if you miss home? Did he ever ask you, are there any simchas in the family that are taking place? He says, my Shved did that, because it mattered to, to him. Maybe the Talmud could not go home, for his brother's bar mitzvah. But at least somebody cared. Those are the things that allow us to have a relationship with a Talmud where literally every part of their lives, and it doesn't mean you have to violate anybody's privacy, but when we show them that we care about their emotional well-being, no matter what the age is, they could be four years old, they could be 18, but if we show them that we care we have that relationship, then the openness can happen, the kind of openness that, that gets threatened when somebody says, don't tell anybody. If they have you as somebody that you will always be open to, then that Pesach, that opening is there for them to possibly inform you that they're not safe. They can't be safe if they don't have that kind of, of relationship. Um, one of the things that I, when I started speaking to the parents several weeks ago the first question I was to answer was how do you keep kids emotionally safe and my first response to that was don't kill them I said well what on earth do you mean there are things that we can do whether we're talking about being parents to our children or being mechanach others, that can be horribly damaging. And I'm not referring to the safety that we were, that we were discussing earlier. Not, we're not even talking about physical safety here. Rav Pam had a meeting with mechanachim approximately a week before he was nifter. And the question that he was asked was, 
What is the most important piece of guidance that you can share with us? What's the most important etzah that you can give us to guide us as to how to do our job best? And if Pam turned around and made a statement, and he repeated it many, many times, but he says, the most important thing you can do is never be mevayesh or mevaza a Talmud. And he repeated this again and again and again. And I sort of wonder, like, you know, I got the message the first time through. Why did he say it so many times? I'll tell you what I think. I think that when we're talking about about being mevayesh or mevaza, it happens at many levels and it happens in many ways. Now, I suppose that if you picked the Talmud and you told them, you know, you're a worthless piece of garbage, what are you doing in this classroom, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I suppose we would all recognize that as busyness. What were to happen if the Rebbe is in the front of the classroom and he points to the back and he says, Shmuley, you in the back. I can't take you talking in the middle of class anymore. You're disrupting everything, and I just can't. I, I can't say my shir. That might be busyness for Shmuley. Do we calculate that before we do it? We do this. We do this almost reflexively. You will talk to somebody. You address them by name, and you tell them what not to do. It sounds simple. And the reality is that many kids can handle this resiliently. The reality is that some kids don't. So now, not knowing whether or not Shmuli is resilient, you're going to take a chance and you're going to call him on something and give him Musa publicly. What will happen? If Shmuli does not take this well, Here's, here's what's likely to happen. And I'm going to quote myself. There's, in grade school, we learned Newton's Law. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There's an emotional Newton's Law. Now, since I'm the one that came up with this Einfall, which is very obvious, it's got to get named after somebody. I haven't found anybody yet. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to like auction it off on eBay. But um, the law is that for every confrontation, there is an equal and opposite amount of resistance. Think what that means. If Shmuley was hurt by being singled out and given Musa in front of everybody else, what might Shmuley do when he reacts? He might not listen. He might say something back. He might feel bad. Here's, here's the deal. If you succeed in, in beating Shmuley into compliance, you have a beaten child. Is that what you're looking for? And that's a serious question because it leaves us with, with, with a couple of tools less in our armamentarium of how to relate to our Talmidim. We can't patch them, right? Corporal punishment. You know how to give corporal punishment, right? You try corporal punishment, you've got 
people breathing down breathing down your back that you didn't even that 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 you would really not want to not, not want any shaykhs with. You can't put your arm around their shoulder to be warm and loving because somebody's going to say that you got other things in mind. What are you supposed to do? So here, the most simple thing is to tell somebody you're doing something wrong, stop doing it. Shlem Melech was very bright when he said, And I'm not so sure that Leitz and Chacham are labels that he's used, that that Shlem Melech is using to talk about somebody's entire being. I think that he's referring to the way somebody is, Bishas Maisa. And if Bishas Maisa, somebody is, is in the Midah of Chachma, and they're there trying to learn, and you give them appropriate, a, if, if you give them a, some appropriate Techacha at that point, they will be Makabalit, and they will accept it as constructive Techacha. And that's valuable. If you give somebody who is in the midah of being a, a let's, who is not in a receptive mood, the let's does not, does not take in, the let's only gives out. And the child is in that mode, al teichach let's, pen yisnoeka. Now, I looked at the post second, I said, wait a second, so will hate me. Who cares? I don't have to, I don't have to deal with this. I need to tell him to stop doing what he's doing. No. If Teichacha does not come, Mitaich Ahava, and it doesn't produce a further close relationship, then what it does is it pushes the kid away. The person that you're talking to is going to, is, is going to follow Newton's emotional law. And again, Newton didn't say it. Whoever wants, the, whoever wants it to be, to be named after them, I'm taking, I'm taking bids afterwards. If you push the kid away by giving them the kind of techocha that they need, that they really need to get, then you're undermining yourself. You'll be left with a beaten child. And whatever version of, of a pathological reaction that child is likely to do, either not listening or, or clamming up or becoming a, or, or, or talking back or, or just doing, doing more of what he's been doing, whatever it is, you will not have gotten the outcome that, that you need to have. Um, there's also a mistaken perception of just how much control we can have over, over a child. And this, this, is, this is about as, as relevant to parents as it is to mechanchem. We can influence the balance of choices. We cannot control them. Now, m- the vast majority of us have had experience feeding a baby in a high chair. So you have your last little level worth of uh, applesauce or uh, peas or beets or whoever, and the baby just doesn't want to eat. So you give them the level instead of opening their mouth, they close their mouth, they hold their lips tight, and you're not getting anywhere. See, it's not the tchotchke around them. You distract the baby enough that the baby lets his mouth fall open. Right? Then comes the artwork, which mothers master well. Fathers usually don't do quite as well. You take the lefel and you give it a zetzerang. 
stick it in the mouth. Now, if it goes too far in, you get a gag reflex, and the rest of lunch just comes back. If you get it too shallow, it dribbles right down the face. So mothers do it really well. They know how to get it just right, so that you trigger, trigger the swallow reflex, and the food goes down. Did you control the child to make the child eat? The answer is no. You bypass the system by getting after a reflex, which is not even voluntary. You get the food into the, into the stomach. Hopefully it stays there. But all you've done is you've tricked the system. But if you believe you controlled the child to make him eat, the answer is absolutely no. We cannot truly control an infant of eight months old. We're not going to be any more successful at controlling a child of the age of four or a child at the age of 17 and 18. So forget the idea of controlling them. What you want to do is you want to entice them in the, in the, in the proper way so that they learn the things that you want them to learn. And again, knowledge is secondary to teaching them what it is that you want them to do to run their, their lives. It's much more about lifestyle. It's much more about midas. It's much more about values. It's much less about knowledge. So that if you show a child, if you, if you, tell, if you, if you tell a bocher something, he may, he may learn from it and he may ingest it, but he also might not. If you model it, you have, you, you have an opportunity. I have to share this story. It just it, it just dawned on me. Um, Reb Zaydel Epstein, was a Magid Shir in RJJ many years ago. I heard this from a Talmud who was in the room at the time. He finished the Shir one day, and the Bukhim were getting up, and some were leaving, and some were still at their their desks. And one bocha comes running into the room with some sort of a document, and he says, Rebbe, Rebbe, could I ask for a signature on this document, please? So he says, sure. And he goes like this, and he says, I don't have a pen. Does anybody have a pen? There was a bocha in the back of the room, still sitting at his desk, who had a pen, and he pulls the pen out, and he flips it up to the front of the room. Now, I don't know if, if, he, if he caught it, or he had to bend down to pick it up, it didn't pass to 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 give the to to give the Magachir a pen that way. Zedel took the pen, signed the document, gave the document back to the Bucha that brought it in, takes the pen, gets up from his seat, walks to the back of the room, gives it to the Bucha and says, Thank you very much. Not one word was uttered. He didn't say a word, he didn't say pasta zaitzatin, right? What he did was he demonstrated the appropriate way for how you get a pen from the front of the room to the back of the room. That was it. Now, I don't know who that bocha was. He's a Rosh Hashiva these days. I have no idea who he is. That much identity was not, was not, was not shared with me. But this is what, is, so that everything that we're going to teach, we're far more successful if we do it by way of modeling it and being a role model, then by telling them. That's not because we're not supposed to talk to them. But how do we know that they're going to be macabre from us? That's where the yachas comes in. That's where the relationship has to be there. The, 
Gemara says that every Friday night we come home from Beis 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 Two Malachim follow us home, right? Um, I always wondered. You have two Malachim. I have two Malachim. You got two Malachim. Everybody's got two of them. We have our own Malachim that are completely individual. Your Malachim didn't go to my house. Mine didn't go to your house. Everybody has Malachim. Good. You, there's a whole pill, but you know, how do you get him with, with my uh, mitzvahs? Why two? Kisiv Sekain Yeshmerudas, Pesayra Yavaksha Mipiu, Kimal Hashem Tsevakaisu. And that everybody says the Posik, and everybody understands it. In, so the Gemurudashans, that if your Rebbe is a, just like a Malach Hashem, it's wonderful. How does your Rebbe become like a Malach? If he becomes individual to every Talmud, and every Talmud knows that they have a Malach that is miyuchad for them, why? Because then they know that they've got somebody who's being a Meiridarach. It's not just somebody imparting knowledge. There are people who can be genius Talmidachachomim and cannot be a Rebbe to Talmidim. There are those that can be, that, 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 that can have Talmidim by the hundreds, by the, by the thousands, right? And they may not be the greatest Talmidachachomim. There may be people who know more than them. But if we think of 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 our of our our role as as mechanchim, it's nothing to do with how great the fund of of knowledge is. Taira knowledge is limitless. It's nothing to do with that. None of us are going to know are, are going to know it. The 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 question that we always have to have in front of us is: What am I doing to make myself into a good role model? was available that my Talmidim should be able to come to me. That's what, that's what we have to do. So that my Tafkid in my classroom at the beginning of the day is I want to do, do the kind of a job that makes my Talmidim want to come back the next day. That's my job. My job is that I want to be able to demonstrate for them, both as a, a Mechanach and as a parent, I want to demonstrate the kind of hislavas and the kind of being part of a mitzvah. You go into the mitzvah. Yeah, we we talk about mitzvahs sikkah. You 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 go into you go into the mitzvah. Mitzvah You go with your boots. That's all wonderful. It's true, but you go into every other mitzvah in any in any way. Are we are we emotionally different by having by uh, by having made kiddush on Shabbos? By having done, by by having been mekayim, uh, any other mitzvah, if, if we're if we're mechabed our parents, it's a very big difference. My father was in my house last week, and he was putting on his coat, and I helped him by grabbing the other sleeve. He says, "Are you being mechaven l'shem mitzvah?" And I said, "It happens to be that I actually thought of it." There was another time where we were sitting at a a simchen. I saw him reaching for the bottle of soda. So I took it and I poured it for him. And I said, you don't get mitzvahs like this all that often, right? 
it's an opportunity. But if, if, if that's something that you can impart and share, children will get that message. They will get it a lot more when you see it happening in action than if you sit back and you, and you just lecture to them and you tell them about it. Because that's not, that's not the main part of it. There was one mice that I wanted that I wanted to share, and, and and this is this is actually the negative side where there was an opportunity that was sorely missed. Some years ago, um, I had a call from parents, and these are parents that I had known for a number of years. They had a book. They had a son who was eleven years old. He was in seventh grade in a particular a particular mysid. And the Rebbe was somebody who probably should have retired a few years before. At any rate, this kid was talking to the Bukha next to him. He was. He was out of line. And the Rebbe goes over, gets up from his chair, walks to the, walks to the seat where this, this boy was sitting, grabs him by the collar, schleps him out of the chair, swings him around, throws him on the floor. Baruch Hashem, nobody was injured. The kid got up, dusted himself off and walked out of the room. And he sat in the uh, Manal's office for the next couple of hours. At lunch, he went to lunch, and the afternoon, he went to English class. By the time he came home, his mother had gotten already two phone calls from other parents of kids from that class. We heard what happened to your, to your son. She heard the whole story. She picked up the phone and got the... Manal on the phone and told him what happened. He says, I will investigate. I'll try to find out from this Rebbe exactly what happened. And the parents said, you know what? That's all fine and dandy. You can, you, you can find out all the information you want. We just want you to know that um, our son is not willing to go back into the classroom because he doesn't feel safe. And what we will do is we'll send them for English classes in the afternoon and we'll either drive them there ourselves if one of us are home or we'll send them with a car service. He's not safe in that classroom unless you want to put a shimer there to make sure. Um, he said, I can't put anybody into the classroom. I don't have staff like that. I don't have the money to pay salary for somebody to stand there and just watch things. Um, by the time this entire episode winded down, the parents had met with the Rebbe who started to deny, well, this didn't happen, but that didn't happen, it happened this way, it happened that way. He wound up admitting to the entire story exactly as, the, as, as their son had, had reported it. And they went to the Manal and they said, look, we will try to convince our son to go back to class, but the Rebbe has to ask Mechila. He roughed him up in a way that was beyond what needed to be done. I don't think anybody here would, would take issue. And we're willing to send, to send him back, to convince him to go back to the room. And the Manal said, I'll float the deal with him. I'll see if he'll, he'll be masked him to it. The Rebbe goes back to the Manal and says, under no circumstances will I denigrate my Kovada Torah to ask Mechila for this child. They went back to the Manal, the parents, and they said, look, you've got a choice. 
either mechila or a shaymer, or we have to move him to a different to a different to a different school. The kid left yeshiva about a week later, and he went he went elsewhere. He's Baruch Hashem. It's quite a number of years. He's quite a a successful Talmud where he is where he is now. Um, that Rebbe, by the way, stayed in the classroom for another month or so, at which there were two more incidents with him, similar incidents. He was then removed, put into the Besmedish to be a Shail Umeshiv, and an incident happened in the Besmedish in front of probably better than 50, 60 um, Talmidim. He was then fired. He should have retired nicely several years before. And my issue is, you know what, I'm not getting into the politics of it. The chinuch aspect, if this Rebbe would have gone to the Talmud and said, I, I acted out of line, I lost myself, I'm sorry, I'm asking for you to please be Moichomi. What would that have done? For the Talmud and for and 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 for the other twenty for the other twenty boys in that in that in that in that seventh grade room, do you have any idea? He's now showing them if you do something wrong, you ask mechila. That's what's real. He's demonstrating it in action. He doesn't have to tell them this when they come in and give them a whole give them a whole shmuz and the shagat tshuva says like this and 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 do it. You acted out of line. You were imperfect. Welcome yourself to the human race and say, you know what? I blew it. I crossed the line. I'm deeply sorry. Apologize. We, we, we all tell our kids, apologize. That would have been such a powerful piece of chinuch. I want to just wrap up with, a, with some, some simple summary. And if it's repetitive, it's meant to be. And that is that the power of our chinuch is going to be directly proportional to the power of the relationship with the, Talmud, with the Talmidim. And the stronger a yachas and relationship that we have, the more powerful our chinuch is, the more what we teach will be accepted. We have a keli on the other end that's going to be makabal. We, they're not going to be makabal words, they're going to be makabal action, they're going to be makabal are us as role models. And if we have that relationship, we can teach them about safety. We can teach them about being open. We can teach them that feelings matter. And this is what so many of them don't know. Am I allowed to talk about my feelings? We only talk about what the Mishnah says here. No. We're open about that. A Rebbe can sit in his classroom and say, you know, I was working on this Tysus. I'm really struggling. I think I know Pshat. But it really bothers me that I don't think I have this tesis as clearly as I would like to. The Rebbe has shared his own weakness, and by the way, sharing weaknesses is the greatest indication of how strong how how strong you are. And he also talked about, I'm frustrated, it bothers me. I'm going to have to work at this. He's allowed to share a feeling where every every one of us is, is as, as human as every Talmud and every child we're going to have. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And you'll be surprised how much children will grow when they, when, when they get these kinds of messages.